Walter Perry Opera was one of the first arts organisations to announce plans for the festival's return this summer, an announcement that came when most of the UK was still in the grips of a third lockdown. The news seemed incredible, though not entirely uncharacteristic given the people behind the festival, and a sign of brighter times to come. Such announcements, the timing of them is key. Get ahead of everyone else, making similar announcements, and a brand name gets a little bit more cut through. Such things fascinate me. Such announcements are also a relief. Waterperry has quickly established itself as an exciting destination for young professionals and local audiences alike, both drawn to the period architecture and beautiful surroundings of Waterperry Gardens near Oxford. Listen back to episode number 14, captured at Waterperry Opera a few years ago, for a fascinating glimpse behind the scenes, and you'll get a sense of the energy that drives it. That energy will still be present this year, like all good festivals, Waterperry Opera's musical treats are the rewards after a journey across the countryside and down country lanes. Unlike Glyndebourne, that journey is mostly on the flat, so if, like me, you're travelling by bike, you won't be too tired when you get there. Such piffling detail about logistics is relevant. Waterperry, getting there and being there, is a charming experience as opposed to a mild logistical challenge. With its farm shop and plant nursery on site, there's something of an afternoon trip to a garden centre vibe about the place when you're there. Only this garden centre experience has opera thrown in too. It's an escape. Curating an experience like that then is what Waterperry is about, especially this year. But unlike other organisations, I think Waterperry goes a little further. If the government roadmap is to be believed, for example, there might be a chance that social distancing is no longer required, just in time for the festival's start. And the festival is publicly stating on their website that they have plans in place in case that turns out to be the case. That they state that now as the box office opens is important and is a reflection of the team's proven track record in responding dynamically to ever-changing scenarios. Being able to do that is also down to them citing most of their programme, Donizetti's Elixir of Love, a narrated Peter in the Wolf by Prokofiev, plus Jonathan Dove's Ariel, and song cycles by Boulanger and Vaughan Williams in and around Waterperry Gardens. Reassuring ticket buyers that safety measures are in place is key, and what safer place to be than being outside. And given that we've all spent maybe too much time indoors this past year, maybe the idea of the outdoors is something akin to running to a place of solace. But it's not all about safety. There's also the challenge of directing performers in rehearsals after an extended period of time living in relative isolation. Water Perry CEO and Artistic Director Guy Withers, Director Rebecca Meltzer and director Emma Doherty touch on some of the things they've had to think about in the run-up to this year's Water Perry Festival. And we start our conversation in this podcast with what's necessary from a director's perspective to help put performers at ease in readiness for rehearsals. I mean sincerity I think is key, honesty, honesty and sincerity are key always. Uh, working practices are really important. Uh, I've been an artist for many years as a singer last 10 years really uh in the world so uh i know what it's like being in a room that doesn't feel like it's going to look after me uh and so 
feeling approachable, uh, open channels of communication, respect, all those things I think are inherent in working in any situation, um, but particularly when people are coming out of a vulnerable place to create something like art which can be vulnerable. Mm. So I think it's being looked after um, and just responding, always responding uh, and learning. It's difficult. I'm not sure how the answer, but I think that's a starting point at least. And uh, I hope everybody at Water Perry, artists and staff and everybody feel that they can approach all of us as a company and say, I need some help with this or I'm feeling a bit like this. Uh, and I say, well, you know, I want to support you because you're making me art and you are important to me. Rebecca, what about you? The, the challenge of going back into the rehearsal room, what, what, what do you think is a challenge for you? It's really new territory for everyone involved because we're, we're, we're shifting into a new climate in terms of how rehearsal rooms uh, have to be run. You know, in, in very sterile conditions, we're all required to wear masks, a lot of social distancing, COVID testing, and all of this stuff has an impact on people's ability to be vulnerable in a rehearsal space. And, you know, I'm always aware that I have to facilitate a safe space for people in order to, um, you know, get their best work in order to achieve sort of the real artistic integrity that we're aiming for with, with a project. And there, I think you're always balancing those those human relationships and really, you know, the importance of checking in with people and how they're feeling every day and uh, throughout the, the process with the need to get it done and with the need to, to get through the opera and with the need to kind of bring all those many, many elements together. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it just just keeping that awareness that everyone's going to be um, uh, sort of negotiating their own human responses to a situation that ultimately will feel quite alien, will feel quite scary to all of us um, is certainly uh, something that's on my mind. Um, and also just working behind a mask, I, you know, as a director, com communication is so key and uh you know just the the more layers that you have between you and the the artist in the room the harder it is to get, get through to one another so yeah just uh, i wonder whether that means that one has to go into and this is for for any of you whether mm. that means one has to go into the rehearsal process uh having to compromise or potentially having to compromise ideas more because you're having to shift according to i mean you're always having to make compromise you're always having to make decisions i would say uh, mm. i wonder whether that sort of decision making process is perhaps a little bit more brutal or maybe one can't be you have one has to be more flexible maybe because of the situation in which you're rehearsing i mean all, all i'd say very briefly is that i have endeavored to make sure that um my artists and creatives um do not have to compromise as uh, to any extent really or, or, or at all um, based on the code regulations trying to make a situation that is robust enough that changing circumstances means that the artistic integrity of the of the work that people are creating doesn't get compromised at all I think that's what I'd like in a perfect situation of course that might not happen but I don't want to say, OK, we have plan A, which is about doing the biggest, best thing ever. But actually, that's probably not going to happen. And if it doesn't, it's going to be a half measure. Um, you know, I, I've been planning since I think basically last summer for this summer uh, to create a situation where I can let Rebecca and Emma and, the, and all the other people, uh, their minds just sort of run with ideas um, within the limitations that we have presented, but that that can be of wonderful artistic virtue. That's the plan anyway. 
Mm. I wonder whether I used the wrong word. Maybe compromise was the trigger word that I shouldn't have used. <laughs> no, it's not, no, no, it's really interesting. It's really interesting because, you know, does the work we make now, because it has been pushed into a box or that it can't have this whistle or that bell, mean that it's worse? Um, I don't necessarily think so. And I think Rebecca said this briefly, you know, strict limitation creates wonderful new innovation. So uh, we saw that a lot last year. I hope we'll see it a lot this summer too. Emma, you were you you tried to go first. Guy cut in in a in a in a brutal way. Uh, you yes. must you must pick up on your point, please. I think he just made my point oh. a lot more eloquently than I would have made it. Typical <laughs> man. I was, just, <laughs> I, was, no, I was just going to say exactly that. Like from what Rebecca said about Ariel, of the idea of the less you have to work with the more scope you have to be creative. And actually, I think it's it's a mindset thing. If you approach it thinking, oh, all these things I can't do now because of these restrictions, your your outcome will reflect that. Whereas if you approach it as a, as a challenge that you can creatively get through and get past, it leads to really exciting and interesting and innovative outcomes. I have found, I have found just being in, so I went to the rehearsal of a, London Mo no recording of the London Mozart players. It's a very small thing in a very large yeah, space, small, yeah. uh, and it was. I mean, I just couldn't get over just being in the presence of other human beings. It was utterly, utterly bizarre. We didn't say anything to each other. We didn't know each other. <laughs> we just, we just stood there looking. It's, it's really odd. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that process and what impact, good or bad, it will have. Uh, I imagine that it will be exhausting. Um, I need to ask you mr withers about peter and the wolf can you tell me about your work on peter and the wolf please of course um i, I guess uh in a, in a sort of slightly altruistic way i it's, a, it's as much for me as it is for <laughs> i think the audiences that i'm creating it for because the one thing That's i saw a good like, place to start isn't it yeah i'm doing well, it for me <laughs> me but, but what i mean by that is that um actually i cannot wait to be back in a situation where i see music again and storytelling again and dancing again all these things and i just i'm so excited to create something like that again my experience of last summer you know which was what rebecca said was that it was the most wonderful opportunity to be able to make a festival last year and it was very moving i think it's going to be very moving this summer um and peter the wolf uh is that perfect piece to introduce people to new classical music whether they're eight or 80 i think uh it's a beautifully succinct and uh, well-crafted work um, and I think seeing the joy on children's faces when they see uh, a horn player make a sound or a dancer leap into the air and they're surrounded by birdsong and they can touch the grass and they can see the pond I think it's going to be hopefully uh, you know perfect opportunity to make the best memories possible basically um, and so I'm really excited by that. Um, it's going to be fully sort of immersed in, in, in nature. Uh, uh, it's going to be right next to a pond and right next to a tree and in, in a glade. And I think um, that's what I'm looking to achieve with it. Get people out of an urban or domestic space and into nature. And experiencing something as beautiful as nature and music together, uh, I think it's going to be very exciting. Um, and, you know, we're going to be exploring lots of ideas. I'm going to be uh, throwing my musicians in the deep end. They're going to be 
sort of running around as much as the dancers will be and the storytellers will be. And it's a great opportunity just to play and have fun. And I'll tell you what, everybody I've spoken to, when they say, oh, what are you excited? Well, when I ask them, what are you excited to see this summer at the festival? Sorry, Becca, sorry, Emma, is Peter and the Wolf. Uh, and that's because I think, I think people remember it from their childhood and they say, gosh, wasn't that great? I can't wait to go and see that. And so I'm really excited to see that too. I've got to tell you, um, guy, they are both sat back uh, and I think yeah, one they of them furious. has got their arms folded. They are suggests yeah. They may not share your vision. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know how to break it to you. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just thrilled to have families, hopefully, congregate, come and listen, come and sit and just uh, witness the beautiful music, witness the beautiful dancing and storytelling uh, and just be immersed in the simplicity of that beauty and just think, isn't it wonderful to be alive? I think uh, that's what I want to do. What do you, uh, this is a difficult one for any or all of you, what do you see in the faces of the audience? Because it is very much a community thing. It serves a specific community, which is that combined with the beautiful surroundings makes it a really charming thing. But I, I wonder what you see on the faces of the audience that makes you think, well, or rather tells you, you've done a great job. And I know it's not just you, I know it's the entire company. I think that my measure for, for I don't want to, use the, want to use the word success, but my measure for sort of knowing whether or not I've hit the mark as a director is is purely just attention, having the attention and help holding the attention of audience members and and then having a reaction, a strong reaction, you know, whatever reaction that might be. But, um, you know, I'm grateful for anyone who's prepared to come and sit there and watch something that I've spent time creating. <laughs> um, you know, anything beyond that is, is uh, uh, you know, a luxury, really. I mean, I, you know, I'd love to see wonder and joy and happiness on the faces of, of, of young audience members. But, um, yeah, just, have, just to have the opportunity to share an artistic experience with an audience is, well, right now, a real novelty. So, <laughs> yeah, for me, that's uh, that's the hope. What about you, Emma? Yeah, I was just thinking any any audience faces right now would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Setting the bar really low. Okay, yeah, fine, real fine. <laughs> no, no, similar. And I think actually something I've really enjoyed with pieces I've directed before is the is getting that that level of reaction, positive or negative, and understanding people's inter like hearing people's interpretation of what you've created. Because you you go into a rehearsal room with a clear set of ideas, and you think and you hope that those ideas um, project in the way that you want them to. But ultimately, you have no idea how someone perceives what you are presenting. And having those conversations afterwards with audience members and getting their understanding and their interpretation. And sometimes, you know, the wildest things come out where they're like, oh, you were trying to do this, weren't you? And you're like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I just think that's part of the joy of it, of like, we're all so different and we all experience things in such different ways. Um, yeah, is I it risky? Wait. I mean, this is for uh, any of you. Is it <clears throat> the way you talk about it, it? It makes it feel as though you are, as directors, even though you're not on stage, you're really putting yourselves out there. And and here is here is your baby that you're putting there, and it could yeah. it could be applauded or it could be sacrificed. I mean, is it a risky yeah. process? <laughs> I think so because I think as a singer, because I I used to sing as well. You can always blame the director. Yes, yes. If it goes badly, <laughs> yes. you can turn around and be like, oh, I thought it was terrible. Yeah. 
Uh, and this director was pushing it. But if you're the director, you've got the final say. So it's all, it all comes down to you. I think also once you reach the end of your rehearsal process, your element of the element of control that you have over a show, although again, that's not the word I like to use, but um, the hold that you have as a director in terms of the, vi- you know, seeing where the vision goes, um, you have to cut the cords and you have to give it over to the performers and you have to give it over to the audience. And it's, you know, essentially from that point onwards, it's nothing to do with you. <laughs> right. um, which, which is why, which is why a lot of directors leave after opening night. Right, right. <laughs> so actually, you you devolve responsibility, Rebecca. That's what you, yeah, right. I was quite saying that. But... <laughs> I think that goes for the festival as much as it goes for the productions too. You know, we spend, I spend months, years on one festival, which will be you know a week or so, and ultimately, when the thing gets up and running you let it go and you have to let the productions go. You have to let every single element of it go and let it be interacted with by the public, hoping that they will sort of look after it as well. And often they do. I think the joy in which we talked about people's faces, the joy I see on people's people's faces as they arrive, as they engage with the work and they're just sitting around and and having a lovely time, hopefully. Um, that says that they're also looking after it after we have been working on it. So I think that's the that's the that's the contract you make. You produce this, you put the time in, but at the end you hand it over to, to somebody else to engage with it and look after it themselves. I really like that. Is there anything else that any of you would like to say that I haven't asked you? You haven't asked about Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> I should ask you about Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Tell me about Hansel and Gretel. Although I'm not quite sure why I said that because I'm on my <laughs> We'll keep now. it in. <laughs> um, no, I guess it's just a nice opportunity to uh, to share a bit about the production, really. But um, yeah, again, we're using the same stage that the two song cycles will be performed on. Um, and uh, I guess, I mean, this show has been in the making for a number of years now. Years and years. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Guys really behind it. (laughs) That's great. You know, it it was one of those situations where when we arrived on the site back in 2016 or whenever it was that the festival started, um, the Woodland gave us the idea, you know, we thought, oh, well, we've got to do something immersive that's set in this space whether that be the coming little vixen or hansel and gretel i mean we settled on on hansel and gretel and it certainly feels uh uh like the uh the appropriate opera to have have chosen um but yeah no it's it's uh it's looking to be um uh, an exciting project i mean mainly just because of the the incredible cast that we've managed to gather together and the different elements um at play within within the show and uh, and also we've got um a wonderful Paul Whitaker, who's joining us as our BSL performer for the show. Um, so, uh, and yeah, live musicians, or I mean, with live musicians, or with a with live musicians, right. we've got a band of five. Yes, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, no, it should be a wonderful family event um, and uh, somewhat immersive and interactive and supported with workshops. And I think that's what's most exciting for me this summer is that it's not easy, but you people have seen people do operas in, you know, in front of nice houses or in amphitheatres or even in gardens. That feels like a natural space to do something because it feels very beautiful and almost, although not sort of uh, formulated like a theatre is, it feels, OK, we understand where we are here. A woodland is wild. And it doesn't feel like a space that audiences would naturally come to and experience something. But I think that is exciting because what we're curating here is as much the experience as it is the production. 
And, um, you know, we, we've taken uh, this woodland stage idea and really run with it uh, and tried to explore not just Hansa Gretel, but, you know, Emma's projects, Clairière dans le ciel and on Wenlock Edge, you know, how can pieces that are about nature, that are, have nature running through them, respond when you put them in the, the you know, the wild of, of England, basically. Um, and I think that's really exciting for, for, the, for the work itself, for the artists that make it, but also for the audiences who I can't imagine anybody having seen anything like Ormanok Edge or whatever uh, in such a situation before. So um, that, that's really exciting to me. That for me, there, there is something about uh, the way the past year has, speaking for myself, has brought me closer to nature, even mm. within an urban environment. And whereas perhaps three or four years ago, I might have gone to an outdoor performance of a Sondheim musical and wondered how on earth have they managed to do this and why on earth did they think that they should do it? Um, uh, and this is going to be awful. It's going to be so cold. Have I brought a blanket? Now... I would go to an outdoor performance and and derive enormous solace from it, regardless of what I was going to see, because the outdoors has been an escape. As a population, we're so ready for cold weather now, aren't we? We've had a year and a half of really mastering. <laughs> Give me anything. I don't care. <laughs> we're ready. Well, that's, think... part of, that's part of it, right? You know, uh, you know, wind, rain, anything. Uh, we've been so cooped up inside sterile domestic environments. I think I take, mm. you know, uh, Billy Budd on the middle, in the middle of the Atlantic <laughs> on a ship or, or I'd go down, you know, I, 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 I literally take anything that, that made me feel as alive as, as music used to, because I, I yeah. feel I'm missing that. Sorry, Emma, you were, you were in the middle of. He's done it again, Emma. He's done it again. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I was going to do a little pitch for the Boulanger as well. Go, go, go! <laughs> Just because regardless of the kind of the way I, I would like to approach it and the concept, just unfortunately that it's a rarity to be performing a piece by a woman, but it is. And Lily Boulanger died when she was 24, I think. So there's like her body of work is we have no idea where she could have gone musically. And I'm, for one, I'm just really excited to to work on a piece composed by a woman and a woman who, unfortunately, doesn't have the reputation of that she deserves from the kind of other composers that she was uh, like collaborating with and learning from at the time. And yeah, I just think that's that's really exciting for the festival as well.